I know what it's like to work in B2B and wear a lot of hats. One minute you're optimizing your inbound funnel, the next you're working on a demand gen program, all while trying to keep on top of all the opportunities landing in your inbox. That's why I'm a big fan of Chili Piper and their concierge tool. It's built specifically for marketers like you who are strapped for time and under pressure to deliver results. It uses intelligent rules that auto-qualify and route inbound inquiries from your website to the right salesperson in your organization. And this means that you capture more than the 60% of leads that never convert to a meeting because companies just don't react quickly enough. No leaky funnel, more leads, more meetings, more pipeline. What's not to love? Start turning leads into meetings today with Chili Piper. Visit chilipiper.com forward slash B2B better to learn more. Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping early stage marketing teams do better than boring work. My name is Jason Bradwell and every week I sit down with whip smart marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build a modern day strategy that delivers actual business results, not vanity metrics. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go. Today on B2B Better, I'm excited to be joined by George Soto, who is the head of content and community at Reprise. George, welcome very much to, to B2B Better. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, I do podcasts and that sort of stuff uh, for uh, for a living, and I've been doing it just for like, I guess, personal branding and then thought leadership stuff. And then I didn't quite have a life in Silicon Valley for many years. So uh, that was another reason. So it's really fun to be on the other side. Yeah, yeah, one one hundred percent. Well, I promise I'll take care of you. Um, and uh, tell <laughs> tell me a little bit about your role at Reprise and about the organization itself. Totally. Well, you know, so it's pronounced Reprise, but uh, nobody knows that, and even people internally, because it looks like Reprise. Um, so uh, I even have to remind myself every day. But yeah, I've been uh, just so just the folks out there, if you are interested. Um, but yeah, I've been there for about now, yeah, going like 10 months. And I joined pretty early. I think I was like employee number three. And look, the company is only you know, about like we've been live technically now out of stealth mode for about uh, eight months. So it's crazy to even say that, but I think we're like north of 70 people now. So, you know, we've grown quite quickly from a hiring perspective. I think that's a testament to the talent and the founding team. And just based on the fact that they have worked at great organizations, have been early executives at like companies like HubSpot and the uh, the two CEOs, we have a co-CEO situation here, which generally I don't think it works, but like I, they're nailing it here. And I think <laughs> it's probably because they worked together before they started Insight Squared, uh, which was an analytics. It's still around, I should say, which is an analytics company out of Boston. And so I think there's a lot of uh, great camaraderie there. But, but yeah, um, I think... Uh, you know, we're, we're on to something here. The space is super hot and excited to be at, uh, at the company. So in terms of my role, like I head up content and community right now, I was the, you know, kind of like the, I guess I would say I was like the first marketer. Uh, so I'm a recovering salesperson slash entrepreneur who got into marketing just sort of like as a function of being an entrepreneur over the years. And then I've also sold to a lot of marketers, MarTech Solutions over the years. 
but uh, I made the transition at a real company <laughs> from uh, from a sales rep to a, a marketer uh, about like February or so. I had originally joined as a salesperson and help uh, help us with you know locking some deals down in our in our go to market motion, which we're still engaged in. I love talking to marketers from companies that are still at an early stage because, you know, those are the kind of listeners that are, that are joining this podcast. Um, and I'm sure that we'd be able to sit down and record an entire episode, probably more than one on what it takes to build a marketing function from the ground up. Um, but today we're here to talk about product led growth, um, PLG, uh, it is a part of my marketing skill set. And we were talking a little bit about this before the call um, that I've not invested too much time in to be, to be perfectly frank. And that is because predominantly my experience is on the services side. I've always worked for services led businesses. So spending too much time learning about PLG wasn't going to necessarily impact my, my day to day, but increasingly it is something that I need. I realize I need to know more about. Um, and I'm sure the listeners of B2B better would also benefit from, from hearing your experience on running a PLG uh, campaign. So a uh, uh, strategy. So let's start right at the very beginning. Tell me what is product led growth? You know, I talk about this every day <laughs> uh, and I have been now for the last 10 months. So this is what I've distilled it down to because frankly, it's it's really not what everyone has historically thought. It's much more, or I should say it's what people thought plus more. So the way that I would define product-led growth now is allowing potential customers or prospects to touch and feel your product before having to talk to sales uh, or before making a decision. So that decision could be a credit card self-serve transaction, or it could be a entering like a hybrid uh, sales-led motion or even more of a traditional sales-led motion. So that's what I've seen uh, thus far. I mean, you look at companies like shout out to MailChimp that just got bought for like $12 billion. I had a um, a roommate of mine who's a venture capitalist and sat down with Ben years ago at MailChimp and was trying to fund him. And Ben was like, you know what? I just, I just don't want to like have to deal with investors and all that kind of stuff. I get a big fat check every you know month or whatever cadence he talked, uh, he had mentioned. And uh, I like it. Like I'm doing pretty darn well. <laughs> Right. And um, and he's like, you know, of course, past didn't take venture capital. And then, of course, they they just announced that they were acquired by Intuit for like 12 point something billion dollars, which is probably a pretty, pretty big you know, discount on that business, uh, given its success. But that's that's kind of like, I think, the traditional way of thinking about product like growth, where you don't have any salespeople, where you just go in, you swipe credit cards, the product's really good at like pushing you through an upgrade motion and, and those sort of things. And then, of course, now it's really expanded, right, where you look at like Slack, right? So Slack, you can sign up, use it for free for whatever. And, um, and then if, you know, you're an organization that uh, meets the qualifiers, you then are uh, able to talk to a salesperson, right? So that's that hybrid motion uh, that uh, that I mentioned. And the last thing I wanted to say is that going product-led is not specific to just the top of the funnel. Uh, it is at every touch point through the entire revenue chain 
or sales and marketing funnel, even post-sales funnel. Could you expand a little bit on that on that last point? Um, because certainly my understanding, I, you know, I, I got it from a acquisition point of view of customers, but talk to me a little bit more about how product-led growth can continue to kind of nurture and cement that relationship once someone is actually using that product. Sure. Well, let's let's talk about like going mid funnel or like you know the beginning of the mid funnel. So let's say like, yeah, we'll just call it. I saw it the other day. Someone had it uh, categorized pretty well. So it's like early mid funnel and then post or or late mid funnel. And so early mid funnel might be a, a situation where let's talk about inbound, right? And so you have an inbound lead that comes in. And instead of happy, having the SDR, let's say you have an SDR, right? Um, and, you know, instead of having that SDR ask for a call, which is the traditional motion, right? It's like, oh, let's get on a qualification call, right? Instead of that, it's, hey, here's, here's a, a demo uh, of our product. It's fully baked, right? And this demo is probably like a, you know, a couple clicks. It's not a full sort of like, uh, you know, all you can eat kind of experience or choose your own adventure experience. But it's something that we're calling in the industry, like a Harbor tour. I think Peter Cohen, uh, the, the author coined that, that, uh, phrase or that expression, but basically it's like, you know, a couple clicks here and there, and it keeps the prospect on the rails. Right. And, and so that's then the first motion where you're like, thanks, Sally, you know, you signed up, I, we saw, we got your submission, check this out. Here's a, a link to the demo. Um, this, this will give you kind of a good, you know, good idea. And you could either um, a couple that with now a calendar link, right? So here's a demo to this personalized, customized Harvard tour demo, micro demos, one of the ways I was referring to it. And here's the link to the calendar to book a time or just check it out see if you like it and I'll follow up with you in, you know, two days or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of flexibility there in terms of, you know, going product led, right. Uh, Again, using the definition of allowing your prospect to engage with the product before making a decision and then um, making it a little more flexible to sort of like allow them to drive the buying experience. So that's, that's the first example. The other one is from also the early mid middle of the uh, middle of the funnel is from an outbound perspective. It's saying, you know, hey uh, SDR, here are customized demos that you can use in your outreach. So imagine getting a, a you know an email from an SDR, Jason. It's like, hey Jason, we know you do these things. Here's this demo that I think will show you how we solve these things. You know you click on that thing and it shows you a really awesome way of doing something that you're dealing with better uh, on your podcasts or, you know, on content or et cetera. Right. So that's the other way of going product led in your mid funnel. Right. So, which is traditionally not that way. Right. And then, so now what we're hearing from the market is like prospects are having better experiences. They're jumping on when they're ready to speak to sales. They're jumping on these calls, not just asking, oh, you know, what the hell do you do or show me a demo? It's like, oh, I've already seen that. I've already kind of kicked the tires on it. You know, theoretically, you've been able to get some 
metrics or insights. I don't want to plug what we do because we know obviously we help with this kind of stuff. Uh, but just speaking at a high level, like, you know, you can get some insights on are they clicking on the demo? Where are they engaging the most, et cetera? And by the way, this kind of behavior, this insight has, you know, has been in the market now for a while. Like we were sending uh, pieces of content and PDFs and all kinds of other stuff and seeing if people were clicking on the links or engaging in the content. This is taking it a, you know, further, right? And B, uh, now getting people to engage with, with actual like examples or demos of the product. So the other thing that I would say is if you go further down the funnel from a, an AE perspective, then it's, let's say you're doing live demos. Now you actually have a live demo that you can spin up very quickly. Let's just say that, assuming you have that sort of capability, um, but you can you know, now jump on these calls with, uh, with like a demo that's customized or personalized. It's kind of like instead of a, a, you know, a long deck, you know, maybe you have a hybrid, maybe you have a couple slides, right? Just to kind of like, you know, tell, tell folks who you are, et cetera. I think that's going away more and more, right? Because of content marketing, because of, you know, the type of engagement that prospects are having with your, your marketing channels. And then you can really get to the product. Um, but let's just say you want a couple of slides, right? So instead of having these super long slide decks, you know, have a couple, one or two, tell you a little bit about the company. Um, and then you can go into the, the actual product demo. And then lastly, uh, being able to send that in the follow-up, right? So that's another way of doing it. Right? We usually send a, a follow-up email with our points that we talked about with like systems like Gong and Chorus. You know, sometimes you'll like, send a, a wrap up of, or, or clips from the conversation so they can listen to after, which is still fantastic. But we're now, what I'm saying is send actually a link to the demo after your call and continue to, to get that prospect to engage in your product. In terms, in terms of advantages over kind of a more traditional inbound and outbound marketing strategy, it seems to me that what what we're saying here is it's about establishing that credibility, you know, and it's a proof that uh, what we have is as good as what we say it's going to be. Um, you know, I work uh, in enterprise services, um, so it's a little bit more difficult for us to actually show something. You know, um, uh, we we don't have a kind of boilerplate product that you can run a demo for, but I, I think about products that that I use in my kind of day-to-day -day life, uh, ClickUp being one, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's an alternative to, you know, Trello oh, yeah. and other kind of project management uh, uh, tools. And I love ClickUp. ClickUp's fantastic, phenomenal. And I am a business customer um, of ClickUp, but I'm also a personal user of ClickUp. I've got two different accounts. And my personal use of ClickUp is completely free. I have never paid them a, a cent, um, but I am able to benefit from the a, a very large range of the kind of features and functionality that they offer within their product, um, uh, which in turn is 
cementing me in in their ecosystem because the more that I'm, I'm using it the more i'm putting into it the harder it's going to be if they you know if, if i ever do need to move on to to do that that's kind of what we're talking about here with the product led growth right we're talking about giving people to peek behind the curtain and actually get using the product that could start uh, on one side it's just being a simple demo where you get access to a few features um just to kind of test the waters but it can also expand you know, to something more like ClickUp where you almost get the full product and only when you need to unlock some of the more kind of enterprise level features, be it something like single sign-on or, you know, automations or templates or whatever, you know, that that's when that comes into play. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I use that kind of like broad definition, which is just, you know, to, to remind folks is anytime you can get folks to interact with your product, uh, before making a decision. Now, it may be that, you know, you uh, you have a, a freemium model and that's all that you, Jason, will ever use. That's okay, right? You're not going to fall into, well, that just means you're not falling into their ICP, right? Uh, as a business uh, user. And so, uh, you know, obviously you can't fund the business using free, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, free free products. But, you know, if if you are a user, and then other people sign up from your company and you want to start to use that within your company, then you using the freemium version of the product actually informs the, the sales team at ClickUp to say, hey, you know, Jason works at you know, X company, Microsoft. At least we got one or a handful of customers or users, I should say. Um, that's the beauty about product-led growth is you have to start to use users, right? Because <laughs> it's... Uh, they could already be a, a user, but not a paying customer, right? So, so now that can inform the sales team to make, uh, you know, s- make some decisions around whether they want to reach out or also maybe if I'm that salesperson at Microsoft, I'm reaching out to some other decision makers and saying, hey, we see that you, know, you got 12 people from your organization using our free version. Uh, you know, if you want to unlock the insights or get these upgraded features, et cetera, um, then, you know, maybe security, you know, whatever it is, SOC 2, et cetera, uh, that's chat, right? So, mm. um, so you're absolutely right. That's why it, it, it encompasses all of the above. And one thing is like PLG is specific to your product. It's not just like, you know, you talked about the advantages of, um, of PLG versus traditional inbound or even outbound marketing. I mean, it's like traditional, you know, methods or motions, you have a web form, you have content, you know, it's kind of generic, right? Like the overarching strategy, obviously the copy on the web form is different, the colors, et cetera, but it's, you know, generally going to be the same stuff, right? Um, You want a business, you know, assuming you're a B2B business, right? Which is our, our context here. Uh, you want uh, business emails, you want, you know, uh, maybe some additional qualifiers, you, you want to be able to sell to companies that have money, you know, those sort of things, right? <laughs> but what POG does, and it takes it a little deeper is saying, these are the actual actions in the product. And this is actually, you know, core to, to the POG strategy that is specific to your product. So w- one company might have specific actions that are when they will have specific actions that that indicate intent or propensity to buy 
versus someone else, right? Some company like Asana, I always talk about this, uh, Asana, they would early days uh, look at who is the user that's inviting the most people to the, to the, um, you know, their account, right, at their company. And this was like a free user generally, right? So this was actually before they started to roll up, you know, uh, their their upgraded pricing, et cetera. And they would kind of identify them as a champion and then build that out. They deemed that that was an interesting, like, you know, inflection point or data point or activity or user behavior in the product uh, that they then used as a, you know, trigger to, to activate the sales team to reach out and, you know, do some things. It may be other things, right? It may be if users click on this button and this button and this button, fill out their profile and et cetera, that starts to kind of like put together the formula to say, oh, okay, this is going to be a qualified lead. And they're calling it the product qualified lead parameter, like our MQLs, SQLs, et cetera. Well, now in the product led growth world, it's called PQL, product led uh, or product qualified lead. It seems to me that, you know, in running a, a product led growth strategy where possible, it puts you as a business in a better position in regards to kind of generating insights and data and getting a true understanding and grasp over what exactly is happening because, you know, it's your platform. You can see exactly how your users are using it, um, where they're coming in from, where they're exiting, uh, how they're bouncing from feature to feature, which features are more, more popular over which others, which features are the first features that are used when a user onboards for the first time, you know, one of the last features they use before they log out for, for 60 days or you never see them again. Um, it has a lot more kind of certainty around, around that journey, which in turn can guide your strategic decision-making, it can guide your sales strategy, your marketing strategy, and of course, your product strategy versus, you know, when you do rely entirely on kind of inbound, outbound, you are somewhat at the mercy of other platforms and third parties to give you that data and give you that accurate data um, to, to kind of guide your decision-making. It seems like you're in a much stronger position where you can run a PLL, PLG strategy um, to, to kind of control that narrative, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It really gives you more, you know, more data, right? Like more relevant data. I mean, think about it again, like how, how, you know, how qualified is a, you know, web form uh, submission versus, hey, they're, they're using the product every day and they're doing these things and they're inviting folks. And like, that's, pretty darn good, right? And I'm not suggesting that you abandon your traditional emotions. What I'm saying is it's all about expansion, right? Uh, you know, it's a, and it's also about changing the place that you might have traditionally put in the CTA or the contact sales, uh, um, you know, form, right? So it may be that instead of the, oh, traditional click here to, to get a demo, which is often deceiving. It drives me nuts because you click on the button and then you're at a web form and you're like, oh, now I got to wait to do this, see what the product does to do this demo. Instead of that, it's okay. Well, we still want to like talk to, you know, have, have this prospect talk to sales. That's okay. But let's change the experience a bit. Let's let's use let's create a situation where we use a product tour. So I click on it or demo, whatever you want to call it. You click on that CTA that says, 
tour the product, let's say. And then you're like in a product tour and you're clicking through and maybe it's six clicks, right? Because your marketing product team, revenue teams have decided that these are the features or you know, click the click path that adds the most value, right? And so you ha- kind of have it on the rails there. And so you click on that CTA that's toward the product, you get into it, you're like, oh, step one, oh, cool. I'm clicking through it, clicking through it. And maybe click five is the, hey, you're ready to talk to sales, right? And there's a guide that pops up or something, right? And it's like, yes, okay, I'm ready. Now I'm going in and I've kicked the tires on the product, right? Or no, not yet. Right. And then you get to the sixth step and then maybe it's now brings you to that final CTA. You ready to talk? Maybe not, you know, whatever. Right. You can figure that out again. That's why it's very specific to your product. Uh, So, you know, we're we're not saying like throw out web forms altogether. What we're saying is let's create an experience that is much better, like consumer experiences. Right. That are that are like, by the way, that that prospect is engaging in all the time, right? That prospect is a human that has a life, hopefully, uh, outside Mm -hmm. of their job, right? And so they're downloading apps, doing a bunch of stuff, buying cars, ordering. You know, I haven't gone to a grocery store in God knows how long. I never want to go again, actually, uh, because I just get on Amazon on the app and I order some stuff and, you know, and I'm gone, right? Yeah, of course, B2B buying is, you know, a bit different, but that's where we're moving to. I do believe, and my buddy Jake Dunlap, shout out to Jake over at Scaled Consulting. We talked months ago about B2B buying and, and where it was going to change, you know, sort of evolve to how it was going to change. This is actually before I joined Reprise. And, uh, you know, he was like, you know, there's that traditional 70% statistic that uh, HubSpot made uh, kind of popular, which was due to content marketing. Well, what we're saying now is it's going to be closer to like 90%, 95%. There's going to be a day where someone's going to swipe a credit card uh, or some kind of like crypto, you know, thing mm-hmm. uh, where for half a million dollar deal, right? With no, n- never talking to a salesperson, right? So that, it, that will happen. I'm not sure when. That doesn't throw the salesperson off, right? Or, or like kill sales. What it means is like, Actually, it's better because now prospects are showing up and you can cut to the chase quicker. It's not like, what do you guys do? Let me see a demo. It's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm more educated. I'm coming in. Let's have a more uh, successful uh, conversation, right? A more strategic conversation. And so it will help salespeople shorten sales cycles over time and, and help you cut through the, through the garbage. So all those folks who showed up right? Who weren't ready to make a decision. They were just contacting sales to do a demo to see what the hell you guys even did. That's, that should be really limited, right? Unlike inbound and outbound, um, uh, marketing, um, which, you know, can be controlled by, to a large degree, the kind of marketing function within a business. It seems like PLG requires a lot more cross-departmental collaboration. Yeah, Marketing can't create a PLG strategy on their own. They need to be talking to the product team and building in those kind of workflows and and user paths um, uh, within the product. So what would be 
your advice to a marketer listening to to this interview saying, okay, yeah, this sounds like there's an opportunity for me here to get more of these insights and create a better customer journey, onboarding journey. It's going to require me to speak to product. And historically they have been walled off from the rest of the business. You know, they do their own thing. They create the product and uh, I need to somehow get in with them and, and, and have some influence. You know, what would be your advice to, to that listener? Yeah, well, you know, it's a couple of things. Let's just assume that uh, they they are first first use case or scenario, I should say, is you have a free trial or freemium product uh, available. And so you should be sitting down, you being that marketing revenue team, you should be sitting down with marketing, sales, and product and sitting down and saying, okay, well, we're going to track the those like meaningful moments or behaviors in the product and uh do you have any yes okay great what are they uh no okay well let's let's start to track that so that's the first piece of advice i would uh, i would give and that might be even you know account creation right that might be even segmenting that that funnel from that product into unique uh buckets so the first one is okay, someone signs up and they're not part of the ICP that we have laid out. Um, so what do we do with that? You know, um, I'm going to say that you just kind of like put them into some sort of marketing drip uh, just to have somewhat of a, a pleasant experience. And let's, we're just assuming that they're not of a high enough value from an economics perspective to, to have any human interact. Okay, cool put that one. So what does that bucket look like? What are those parameters? Great. Next bucket is going to be, they are part of our, our ICP. So they um, have enough revenue, employee size, whatever, right? Whatever those, those ICP parameters, or ideal customer profile parameters are, but they're not on like target account lists or something, right? And so uh, what, we, what are we going to do there? So if someone signs up to our free product from one of those companies, what happens, right? So maybe we send them eventually to an SDR, right? Or we put it on the SDRs kind of like monitoring list, right? And uh, and they're in they're in charge of being the product specialist. Shout out to uh, Doug Landis over there at Emergence Capital. It's, it's been talking a lot about the future of the BDR SDR as being a product specialist where you're not really like sitting there trying to pitch and demo because the assumption is that product-led growth changes that funnel or that motion to, like I said earlier, to have the prospect show up with already some, you know, decent insight into the product, having kicked the tires on it, whether it's a, you know, like product tour demo provided by sales or uh, something that's, you know, kind of built out on the website or it's a free trial premium product, they've interacted. So um, maybe it's that, right? That second bucket being, again, the ICP matches, but it's not on a target account, maybe SDRs or some like more junior AEs keep an eye on it. And then the, maybe the third bucket is, okay, obviously they this someone signed up from uh, Adobe, you know, big company, probably be an enterprise, certainly an enterprise, I should say, uh, account for most... B2B sales organizations. And uh, they probably have like, you know, some enterprise sales team that's trying to go after them. They should probably get an alert, 
right? In Salesforce, via email, whatever CRM you use, saying someone from Adobe signed up and they invited three other of their colleagues and they're logging in every day. And week two, the usage just went up, right? Mm. Like I probably want to know that, right? And that's one of the beauties of product-led is that, you know, you can get that data, right? So what are going to be some of the funnels? There are some, um, some tools out there that will help you kind of craft these funnels and get that insight. There's companies like uh, Correlated. I think it's getcorrelated.com out of New York City, uh, Endgame out of LA, uh, uh, Pocus, uh, Heads Up, Calixa, I think it is. Uh, there's a new uh, startup out. And these are all early, super early stage startups that are either still in stealth or just getting out of stuff. So this is super new, these solutions. Um, and, uh, and there's one out of, uh, yeah, Silicon Valley um, called Groundswell, which I think is still in, in private beta. But in any case, there's a bunch of these tools out there that basically sync the data coming from products. So, you know, whatever uh, they use, usually segment, whatever, like, you know, data warehouse that the, that this data, a product insight or product data resides in and it syncs it with your CRM and the other, you know, revenue side tools, and then allow you to actually figure those things out. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but these data points are helping inform what you would consider that product qualified lead. And what, uh, what the consensus is that I've collected over the last year is that PQL parameters plus ICP equals the new sales qualified lead, right? Does MQL data help? Sure. I, you know, I, I know some people threw it out and they're like, well, I don't see the, the point of MQ, MQLs now. Right? Well, you know, you might still have another like funnel uh, from a form that's still relevant, um, you know, and, uh, and you're just pushing them directly to that form and push them directly to the salesperson. So, you know, I mean, I think you're, you're now having to like maintain multiple, multiple funnels as a revenue team. So these tools are really cool. Um, and you know, they're out there now. Thank God. I tried to do something like this 10 years ago and people t- told me I was, I was insane. So I'm glad <laughs> that someone's doing it. And they're all like the founders. I've met them all, uh, of these particular companies. I haven't met the Calixa folks and there's some other folks, but, um, they're all really great folks and, and get it pretty well. George, what's clear to me is that we could easily talk for another hour, two hours, three hours about product-led growth because um, I have so many more questions I wanted to ask you, but we haven't got the time to, to kind of run through. Um, I'll, have to get you, I'll have to get into a Twitter space or something, and then we can just keep talking until people stop listening um, to, to dive into this a little bit more because I certainly am, am fascinated by it. Um, tell me, before I let you go, what do you think will be the biggest change in how B2B companies market themselves over the next five years? Yeah. So this is just me kind of just taking 20 years of startup, you know, experience. And then the last, I would say 13 years or so of SaaS and then mapping that against what I'm seeing right now, the technologies that are available and then coming up with my opinion, I would say that, you know, this is not like groundbreaking, right? But B2B brands right now have to make this shift to change the way that they approach sales. Uh, 
and create a more consumer-like experience. The consumer uh, consumerization of the enterprise has been happening for years now, right? And there's companies who have really nailed it. Alassian, you know, Slack. I mentioned Mailchimp. There's a bunch. I'm actually writing a blog post right now, which was supposed to be 25. Uh, POG companies in SaaS, but now it's like closer to 40 or something. <laughs> so I probably have to limit it, but um, it's happening, right? And, um, you know, your brand has to not be boring and suck anymore, right? Um, it's not only just this shift is happening because of millennials, but even like my parents, right? My, like the, uh, the what are they called? The baby boomer folks, they're getting on technologies and and changing. My dad's on Zoom all the time now. He's a he's a mental health uh, you know psychologist, and uh, he doesn't want to go in the office anymore. And I told him like five years ago or something. I was like, dude, you got to start using Zoom and these things. He's like, no, you can't do therapy on there. You know, he was pushing back so badly, and now he's like, you know, he, I don't have to put on pants. I can just <laughs> and help people. You know, I was going to therapy for like the last year. Um, and I never, I've never met my therapist, you know, I never met my therapist. It was fucking awesome. And, uh, but, uh, but that's the world we're in. People are going to want to touch and feel again, you know, you have to have this, this buyer led experience now because your competitors are going to do it if you're not. And it's just a much more pleasant experience, right? It's the new, you know, relationship building like this person took me to to play golf i'm not saying that stuff goes away what i'm saying it's not about replacing it's about expansion mm. you know it's expanding what we what we do as marketers and then over time whittling it down to you know to the things that makes the most sense for our business so brand has to be great has to be fun uh, you're seeing that already um you know you got to put your product first obviously i'm biased uh, for PLG, but it's not like, it's not rocket science, right? It's just much, a much, much better experience. I mean, PLG can absolutely be your competitive advantage these days, right? Versus uh, old school motions. Um, so, you know, those are some actionable things that I, I would say uh, that, uh, of course, are kind of like higher level and generic, but um, but you'd be surprised how many more traditional organizations are are pushing back salespeople think they're going away no no salespeople i'm a salesperson right i've always been a salesperson i love sales i like i obsessed over sales any of my friends know that they'll tell you that i go totally nuts over sales and i'm telling you that we're not going away it's actually enhancing our our abilities we're going to be able to focus on the like really the right you know we've heard this before jason you know reach out to the right contact at the right time with the right message well guess what you know like product led tells you that stuff it's like you haven't been in the freaking product right why you're at microsoft why what you know not in those words obviously be nicer but um but uh but why is that happening well you got the data like they can't, they can't actually say, oh, well, yeah, we have been in it. No, you know, obviously, you know, so you really get this like very, like very granular set of data, this, this window into reality uh, that's much more actionable than the traditional, you know, playbook. Now, someone was pushing back on a LinkedIn post. My buddy Scott Britton over at troops.ai was saying what we're saying right now these traditional things. Um, 
are are not working as or or what he said was not that let me let me not put words in his mouth what he said was that he saw that the organizations that were doing the more innovative branding stuff community like growth as well which i'll 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 uh, kind of wrap up with here today uh product led all these things are seeing the most the more like the most success um and someone some ceo at a big tech a company commented and said, oh, I'm not sure that you're right. We still have to do better demos and better decks and all that. And I commented on it and I, I try to stay as neutral as possible. So I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. Um, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> that was my younger days. Um, but, uh, but I said, you know, sir, like, or whatever his, uh, his name was, I said, uh, you know, it's not about replacing. It's not saying, oh, well, I'm going to do a podcast and not do beautiful, better decks anymore. It's saying I do the podcast and better and beautiful deck, more, you know, uh, better decks and better webinars and everything. It's about a, you know, an integrated uh, strategy and it's about expansion, again, not replacing. So the last thing I wanted to say was community-led growth. You got to build communities, right? Like people are starting to make this, these decisions. Um, and it's not like new behavior. It's like, you know, obviously if your neighbor, if you lived in a neighborhood and your neighbors were all talking about a specific like, you know, vanilla at the ice cream store, you know, and you were in your yard shooting the shit, playing, you know, soccer with your kids and your neighbor said, oh boy, that, that you know, God, I really love that chocolate ice cream over there, or vanilla ice cream or whatever at the, at the ice cream store. Uh, you would then trust your neighbor, right? Because they play, they're part of your community, play with your kids, et cetera. And you might go and check it out, certainly over some like ad somewhere, right? Uh, again, I'm not saying the ad is, is not valuable, but the ad's going to be more like, in that case, reinforcing like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that, yeah, that, that out of the chocolate thing on my whatever Facebook feed or Instagram. Now my neighbor says it. Oh crap. Let me go and go and check it out. So, you know, what that means for us is building out communities on, you know, whatever platform people are using Slack communities uh, now, like crazy. I'm, I'm very bullish on, on Slack. I have an angel investment in a startup doing some stuff there. So like there's a, you know, that that's what I would say. So like product led growth, crushing the branding, thinking about your B2B brand as a consumer brand anymore uh, or now, no more thinking it's just some boring thing that I got to follow emotion. Think about what Apple has been able to do with their lifestyle brand, right? Um, and then community, um, um, community-led growth. I think I said that. Yeah. So community, product-led, you know, crushing branding, and then doing the old school emotions you know, 10 times better and then integrating everything. So you use your community to now syndicate or distribute your uh, webinar, right? So that's what I'd say. The, the one thing that a lot of those things have in common is that they are catering or they, are, they have the potential to cater to the, the, the B2B buyers who aren't necessarily ready to buy from you right now. And you know, I work in an industry, I've always worked in industries where the sales cycles are incredibly long, but the sales windows are very small. Um, you have a very tiny window of opportunity to actually get in front of a customer at the point where they're ready to buy whatever it is that you're selling. And when you're in that kind of context and that environment, things like product-led growth, like community-led uh, growth, like uh, brand building, investing in those means that when the customer is ready to buy, they're coming to you rather than you relying on being 
in front of them um, or getting in front of them through a more kind of traditional, conventional outbound approach at the point that they're ready to buy. So you and I are definitely um, singing from the same hymn book and, and, and the uh, I think I wrote it down. You said the, the the communerization, the consumerization, sorry, of B two B. I think that's a wonderful term to to describe it. Um, this has been great, George. Thank you so much for coming on to B two B Better. For anyone who's interested in uh, learning more about you um, and uh, having a conversation with you about some of these topics you've touched on, where can they find you online? Yeah, so LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Uh, Instagram. Instagram is more like my philosophical content, you know, <laughs> my mission to try to raise consciousness on this planet so we can stop the stupidity. Um, but uh, but for business conversations, um, Twitter and LinkedIn, it's uh, Soto Ventures. So it's S-O-T-O-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. And uh, so, you know, it's just whatever the forward slash is that. And one thing I also forgot to mention was uh, a B2B transactions. I think in five years, you're going to see more of those B2B transactions happening via some sort of electronic transaction, contracting and that kind of stuff is going to be much better. And uh, so I forgot to mention that, but that's going to be huge. George, I'm going to drop the links to your social profiles in the description of this episode. But otherwise, thank you very much for coming on to B2B Better. Thank you. Have a great day. If you're in demand gen, a growth hacker, or a B2B marketer, you need to know about Chili Piper. Its concierge tool allows you to eliminate the waiting period between a prospect filling out a form on your website and getting a meeting with someone in your business. Companies like Twilio, Spotify, and Gong all use Chili Piper to double their inbound conversion rates. And the best thing is that marketers using Chili Piper are better equipped to accurately attribute channel spend thanks to a no-fuss, two-way sync between the platform and their CRM. You know I'm a believer in a frictionless customer journey, and this is the tool that can make it happen. Turn meetings into leads instantly with Chili Piper. Head over to chilipiper.com forward slash B2B better to learn more. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe to my podcast, leave a rating, a comment, a review, or just share it on social media. It'll really make my day. Every Monday morning, I send out a newsletter to B2B marketers all around the world on how to do better B2B marketing. You can sign up to that via the link that I'm going to leave in the description of this episode. Or if you need a fix of B2B marketing content goodness right now, you can head over to my website at www.jasonrbradwell.com. See you next week. This episode was sponsored by Chili Piper.